What's going on, Wellness Gang? Welcome back to Embodied Wellness Radio. Today's podcast, we're going to be chatting about five simple nutrition tips for stress. And this is a very important podcast for pretty much everyone in the entire world right now. And before we dive into the five nutrition tips, it's important to chat a little bit about stress. Let's talk about stress, baby, and what that really means. Because sometimes I'll say to clients, um, yeah, just working on managing your stress and they'll be like, oh, well, I don't think I'm very stressed out. And it's very important to understand that stress is not just about what's going on in your mind or psychological stress. Stress is really this huge term that can encompass a lot of different things, including stress to your body. So physical stressors such as low calorie diets, dieting in general, um, under eating carbohydrates, over exercising. It also can refer to environmental toxins. And there's a lot of different ways that our body can be under stress that we might not even realize. It also is a pretty stressful environment going on in the world right now, which can impact our body and our hormones and our overall stress. So when we're talking about stress um, during this podcast, you'll hear us mention the hormone cortisol. And cortisol gets kind of a bad rap because it is our stress hormone and we don't want too much cortisol or chronically elevated cortisol. However, we do need cortisol to be doing the right thing in the right amount at the right time. So when we're referring to cortisol in this podcast, we will be talking about chronically elevated cortisol. So it's really important to differentiate between just having cortisol, which we do need for energy and to regulate our sleep-wake cycles, and chronically elevated cortisol. So the issue comes from when we have uh, too much cortisol that stays in our bloodstream or our body is producing from our adrenal glands too much cortisol throughout the day rather than allowing the natural fluctuations to occur. And in today's discussion, we're going to be just talking about nutrition strategies. So it's also important to keep in mind that when we are looking at dealing with or managing or regulating the stress response in our body, we do need to take a holistic approach, which means that it's not just about the food that you're eating. It's not just about the supplements you're taking. It's really about everything. So that comes down to mindset and including some mindfulness practices such as meditation, journaling, going for nature walks, taking a bath, hanging out with friends. It also includes getting enough sleep and allowing yourself to rest. So today we're going to take a pretty narrow view of talking about nutrition supports, which can be so beautiful and impactful on helping to regulate the stress response in your body. But it's also important to know that there's lots of other pieces of the puzzle that come together as well. So let's get into it. Tip number one, you got to be eaten. You got to be eating enough and specifically eating enough carbohydrates. So when we work with clients, I see this quite commonly with women is that they're actually under eating and they might not even realize it or be doing it on purpose. So it's important to start to be mindful of the amount of food that you're taking in. And if you're unsure, it would be useful to have some sort of accountability or way to log your food to make sure that you are eating enough. Of course, everybody is different and the term eating enough can mean a lot of different different things to a lot of different people. So a really good kind of gauge is most women ideally can be maintaining their weight around 2000-ish calories depending on age and activity level. But if you're start to track your food or just start to do a little bit more research into if you are eating enough and you find your calories are around like 12, 13, 14, 1500, this might be a good sign that your body could use a little bit more nourishment because 
when we're under eating and our body doesn't have enough energy, enough macronutrients, micronutrients, vitamins, and minerals, that is a stressor on the body because your body doesn't know the difference between being in a starvation mode 500,000 years ago and being chased by a bear and not knowing if you're going to get food and being on a quote unquote diet that we do nowadays. So your body sees both of these things as stress. And again, when we have more stress in our body, it can elevate cortisol, which can lead to a lot of different issues and diseases such as anxiety, um, higher risk of diabetes. It influences our insulin sensitivity. And really you always hear that stress is a big root of a lot of diseases. And so dieting can also be a stress on the body. And then, of course, some people are consciously dieting. So that's important to note as well, is that you'll sometimes see people who feel like they have a lot of weight to lose. And so they try to lose all of the weight at once and be under eating or in a what we call a fat loss or a dieting phase for way too long. And your body needs breaks because it is, again, a stress on the body. And so when you're doing any sort of diet or focusing on maybe transforming your body, it's important to know that it should happen in periods so that that you allow your body breaks as well. So typically a supportive dieting phase would be about three to six months. If you have been mindfully doing a diet for longer than that and your body is under a lot of stress, maybe you have a stressful job, maybe um, the stress of the world is really starting to weigh on you, it would be really useful to consider coming out of that so that we're not adding to the stress response in our body. And so typically when we would start a client on a dieting phase, one of the things we look at is, is your body under a lot of stress already? And if their body is under chronic stress or they're having issues with anxiety, digestion, hormone status, that wouldn't be a very good time to start or be in a dieting phase. And so it's important to realize that under eating is a stressor on the body. And so when your body is under a lot of stress, or if you do find that you're looking to support stress management, your hormone health, your digestive health, we really need to be mindful of the amount that we are taking in. And then Amount of actual calories or nutrition that you're taking in is very important, as well as amount of different macronutrients. So when, when we're talking about macronutrients, the three most common ones are proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. When we're looking at stress specifically, carbohydrates can have a very profound effect on the stress response in our body. So when we eat carbs, you'll often hear people joke and say that when you go on a low carb diet, you're miserable and that carbs make you happy. And it's actually kind of true. So when we eat carbohydrates, it helps the brain to produce serotonin, which is a feel good, happy neurotransmitter. And a 2019 study showed that acute increases to complex carbohydrates. So these are things like quinoa, sweet potatoes, um, carbohydrates that come with fiber as well and are more slow digesting. When they acutely increase complex carbohydrates over an eight-week period, that uh, salivary cortisol was regulated or lower over the span of that time. So in other words, acute increases to complex carbs can help your body deal with stress and regulate cortisol levels. So if you know that you're going into a stressful period with work or maybe the holidays coming up or any sort of stressful period to help your body and support your body regulate that stress, you can look at increasing your carbohydrates slightly um, and focusing on complex carbs. To further this research, in 2016, they did a study that again demonstrated in, uh, that in increasing complex carbohydrates, 
led to a decrease in combined mental and physical stress. So in increasing carbohydrates slightly, participants in this study felt that they were under less mental stress and there were also physical markers. So there's lots of research to show just how impactful increasing carbohydrates acutely can be in periods of stress. And I do want to add that this doesn't mean that you should go and eat all the sugar and candy that you want. This is a very specific nutrition strategy to help support your body. And we'll talk a little bit later about blood sugar in our next tip and how important that is as well. So if you were to consider adding in a little bit more carbohydrates when you're under a period of stress and really starting to apply this tip, a good place to start would be looking at number one, the type of carbohydrate you're consuming. So if you do find you're someone who tends to eat more simple carbs like white bread, sugar, even too much fruit, and again, too much is very relative, just starting to swap those out for more complex carbohydrates, again, like root vegetables, beets, sweet potatoes, pumpkins, squash, quinoa, starting to make those simple swaps can be helpful, and then just maybe adding a little bit extra. So when you're having a meal that's balanced beautifully with proteins, fats, and complex carbohydrates, you can just add slightly more to help your body with that stress response. So number one tip for helping your body to deal with stress through nutrition is ensure that you are eating enough food and you can specifically increase your carbohydrate consumption of complex carbs during more stressful periods. Let's get into the next one, which is kind of related to the first one, blood sugar balance and stability. You will hear me talk about this all the time because it really is such a foundational and key part of our overall health and especially, especially our hormonal health, our energy, and our mood. So without getting too into the science behind blood sugar balance, essentially when we eat food, it turns into fuel, which increases the total amount of glucose going in our bloodstream. And so if we have too much glucose in our blood sugar spikes, it will then fall, which leads to what you call an energy crash or highs and lows of blood sugar. If our blood sugar is too low, we can start to see symptoms such as feeling dizzy, nauseous, lightheaded, and extremely fatigued. So we don't want our blood sugar to be too high, but we also don't want it to be too low. So we want this beautiful consistency with our blood sugar and our ability to regulate it so that our energy levels are consistent, our mood stays stable, our cravings are reduced, and we can help to reduce the stress response in the body. And it's kind of interesting that it works two ways. So when we are more stressed out, it impacts our body's ability to deal with insulin or to be sensitive to insulin and regulate our blood sugar. And then when our blood sugar is dysregulated, our body is under more stress. And when we're under more stress, it impacts our blood sugar and it's kind of this circle. So it's really important to understand how to work with this and how to support your body through blood sugar stability. And again, just really be mindful of the nutrition you're taking in when you are under more stress. So chronically low or high blood sugar can be a stressor on the body as well as blood sugar spikes, as I touched on before. So when we have low blood sugar, there is a hormonal response that occurs where our body releases epinephrine and glucagon, which promotes the breakdown of glycogen and glucose. Once that happens, it's followed by a slower release of cortisol, our stress hormone. And so when we have blood sugar that is too low or it dips, and that would be um, from things such as going too long without eating, or again, if you have something that's really high in sugar or carbohydrates and your blood sugar spikes and then falls, we can actually be stimulating the release of cortisol, which again would increase 
our body's stress. And if you are someone who's already under a lot of stress, this is like adding fire to flame. Another thing that can lead to low blood sugar and therefore lead to higher cortisol levels in the body is going too long in the morning without eating. And if you follow me on Instagram, you have 100% heard me talk about this before. So fasting for too long in the morning or going too long between meals can lead to low blood sugar. So our liver can store a certain amount of glucose which can sustain us. However, what a lot of women do is they skip breakfast in the morning, maybe they even have a coffee, which we'll also touch on, and they wait until the afternoon or sometimes even late afternoon, early evening to start eating. And then these are typically the same females that are like, why can't I stop overeating and snacking at night? And it's really because when we go too long without eating in the morning, you are stimulating cortisol, which signals to your body, hey, we're pretty stressed out. And then you have a coffee, which also signals, hey, let's stress ourselves out some more. So by the time the evening comes, your body is craving some sort of stability and some sort of comfort. So you turn towards food. And so making sure that you start the day with very stable blood sugar is key in overall helping your stress response, your hormones, as well as your nighttime snacking habits. The next thing to touch on is high blood sugar. So we talked about low blood sugar and how that can stimulate cortisol. We talked about blood sugar dips coming from high blood sugar, but how does high blood sugar actually happen? So this typically occurs from either number one, if you already have an underlying issue with blood sugar regulation, such as insulin resistance, type two diabetes, that can lead to chronically elevated blood sugar. Or if you're eating too many carbohydrates in one sitting for your body, as well as simple carbs. So when we eat something like a complex carb, we're getting a little bit of fiber in there as well, and it's slower digesting, meaning it has less of an impact on our insulin. If I sit down and eat a big bowl of even fruit or candy or anything that is more of a simple sugar, and again, I'm not saying that fruit is quote unquote bad, we're just talking about the impact on insulin. What happens is my body digests that very quickly. A lot of sugar goes into my bloodstream, which would cause a blood sugar spike. And so an important way to also help with your blood sugar balance is to pair carbohydrates with a protein and a fat. So once we add either a protein or a fat to carbohydrates, it can help to buffer the effect of that insulin spike because we're adding in that extra bit of fiber and nutrients for our body to break down with the quick digesting carbohydrates. So blood sugar imbalances are a super big trigger for elevated cortisol. And then elevated cortisol can also impact your blood sugar regulation. So when you are under periods of higher stress or you're just looking to help support your body's stress response, which we really all should be, keeping your blood sugar stable is super, super important. So takeaway number two is keeping your blood sugar stable, having breakfast ideally within 30 to 60 minutes of waking, pairing a carbohydrate with fats and slash or protein, as well as eating every three to four hours to avoid the dips in blood sugar. So number one way to support your body through nutrition for stress is eat enough food, specifically carbohydrates. And number two is keeping your blood sugar stable. Let's head into the third one. So this one I touched on a little bit. And again, you have probably heard me talk about this before, but I'm gonna talk my SHIT again. Coffee is not breakfast, fam. It is not. And don't shoot the messenger. I know. I know it's simple, it's warming in the morning, it gets you going, but it is not breakfast. 
it's just not it's not lunch either <laughs> coffee is coffee so coffee after breakfast is a big key in supporting your body's stress response through nutrition as well as just limiting and being mindful of the overall consumption of caffeine in general so we talked a little bit about how cortisol is important to have in the right amount doing the right thing at the right time so our circadian rhythm which is our sleep rate wake cycle um, involves cortisol as well as melatonin so during your sleeping period at about 3 a.m your cortisol is the lowest and then it begins to rise and your cortisol spikes naturally around like 8 or 9 a.m this is also typically the time that most people decide hey now seems like a great time to have a cup of joe and so when we consume caffeine when our body's cortisol levels are already peaking number one the caffeine actually has less of an effect on us and number two it can impact your cortisol regulation through the rest of the day so it can actually increase your production of cortisol through the rest of the day if you are having caffeine or stimulant when your coffee is spiking in the morning so it's very important to be mindful of when you're consuming coffee ideally the best time to have a coffee would actually be between around like 10 to 11:30 in the morning so after you've had breakfast you've been moving around a little bit because this is when our cortisol takes a natural dip so it can actually be the most supportive time for you to have a coffee so aside from the actual sleep-wake cycle and how coffee can impact that depending on when cortisol is spiking it is also coming back to the first point which is are you eating enough a lot of people who tend to have coffee in the morning are typically not always but quite often people who are also trying to be mindful of how much food they're taking in and so intermittent fasting or just skipping breakfast in the morning as a way to push a caloric deficit can cause more stress on the body because again when we've been sleeping our liver has been storing a certain amount of glucose and then when we wake up most of us have been fasting for like 12 14 hours and so if your body doesn't have fuel available through eating breakfast it's gonna go girl boy i am hungry and i'm gonna find fuel whether you give it to me or not so how would a body that is hungry and just woke up from a fast and hasn't been given any fuel get said fuel well let me tell you so your body would say hey we need some energy okay let's get energy so it signals your adrenals to release cortisol ah there she is again and that then signals the breakdown of typically your muscle tissue to bring glucose into the bloodstream so whether or not you eat in the morning your body's gonna eat and it's not always gonna be nice so having breakfast again is very important and this also comes back to the idea of the fact that coffee is not breakfast and having it after fuel can be really important because if our body has already been fasted and is already signaling cortisol to spike to start to find fuel and then you add more cortisol to the mix with coffee you can really see how this is just creating more stress and stress and stress in your body which can have lasting effects through the rest of the day so takeaway number three is coffee after breakfast and also limiting your caffeine intake throughout the day because every time we have caffeine we are increasing our overall stress in the body and affecting our cortisol which has profound effects on the rest of our day as well 
So number one is make sure you're eating enough, specifically carbohydrates. Tip number two is keeping your blood sugar balanced. Tip number three is coffee after breakfast and being mindful of your overall consumption. Tip number four, this comes back to what we talked about in our last podcast, which is food type and why that's so important. So limiting your intake of processed foods and inflammatory foods and foods that you are sensitive to can also greatly help with managing and regulating the stress response in your body. So when we are stressed out or in a period of stress, most of us tend to crave things that are not ideal. Most of us don't have a really stressful day at work and be like, hmm, you know what would really hit the spa right now? Some raw broccoli or even better, some raw kale. (laughs) So most of us tend to crave sweets, ice cream, salty things. And again, there is a reason for this. So salt is the taste that is associated with supporting your adrenal glands. Your adrenal glands are what produces cortisol. So if you're stressed out and you crave something salty, rather than reaching for something salty, having either a magnesium supplement, which gives your adrenal adrenals, minerals or having water with some electrolytes can be really helpful to actually support why your body is having that craving and again if your body is craving something sweet it likely has to do with the production of serotonin in your mind as well so stuff like root vegetables can be really helpful for that like sweet potatoes yams or doing an activity that will also boost your serotonin and make you feel happy rather than reaching for these foods which might not be great in the long run A 2012 study in the Endocrine Journal also demonstrated that high cortisol levels are associated with low quality food choices. So the quality of your food can actually impact your body's production of cortisol and overall the stress response in your body. So if you're looking to learn more about why food type is so important, you can check out our last podcast, but we will briefly say that the quality of your food has a profound impact on your body and that when we are eating foods that have maybe chemicals or toxins that our body is unable to recognize or contains known carcinogens or damages our gut microbiome or affects our brain and our neural inflammation it does have an effect on the overall stress response in our body if you are more inflamed and food type and quality is specifically and closely tied to cortisol regulation throughout the day as well so processed foods especially those that have harmful additives such as vegetable and seed oils like peanut oil canola oil vegetable oil soy oil foods that have preservatives glyphosates additives these can all lead to greater levels of inflammation which can increase the total stress load on the body so food type is really important and of course coming back to the foundations of having the large majority of your diet come from whole unprocessed foods in their natural form can really help your body be under less stress and it can be difficult when you are stressed out and you have maybe cravings so again focusing on the foundations like keeping your blood sugar balanced can therefore help with cravings which therefore influences your food choice and allows you to make better choices so you can kind of see how all of these things really beautifully come together to support the stress response in the body and then when you're under less stress you have more clear thinking and energy to be able to make these choices for your body and just a little bit more on food quality and how that's really important different quality of foods will have a different nutritional profile. So a place we see this quite often is red meat. So factory farmed red meat that you just go over to Safeway and pick up whatever steak you see, the cheapest one that's on sale, 
actually has a different omega ratio than a organic grass-fed and grass-finished from PH Farms uh, steak that you buy locally. So when we're talking about inflammation, talking about omega levels is very important through nutrition. So omega-3s are considered anti-inflammatory and omega-6s are considered pro-inflammatory. Factory farmed meat has a higher levels of omega-6, whereas grass-fed organic meat has higher levels of omega-3 relatively. So when we are focusing on food quality, we're also reducing overall inflammation in our body, which also therefore influences our cortisol regulation in the body. Another place we see this is dairy. So dairy is a pretty common one that people might have food sensitivity sensitivities too. And when I'm talking with clients or even sharing with my followers on social media, I'll always say that quality of dairy is really important. And I've seen this with myself and with a lot of clients that they're unable to digest dairy, but they're also consuming like quote unquote low quality dairy. So again, just the one you would pick up at the store or they're consuming dairy that has other additives in it. So things like ice cream, which also have gums and binders and sugar and all this other stuff that could impact digestibility. So this is also really important to focus on the quality and the sourcing of your food when you are trying to make the most of and optimize your stress response and regulation in the body as well. And we will link some studies that show the relationship between quality of red meat and dairy in the show notes as well for you. So if you are interested in checking out any of these studies that we've chatted about today, you can head over to embodiedwellnessco.com slash blog slash the numbers 1919 and all of that will be linked there for you if you are hoping to get a little bit more research or check out the studies yourself as well. And the last thing touching on why food type is really important is food sensitivities or foods that your body doesn't digest well. So in the future, we will do a podcast all about food sensitivities and how they show up. But I will note that anything that is causing you direct digestive distress bloating, gas, constipation, stomach pains, burping, gurgling is probably not a great food to be consuming in general, but especially when your body is under more stress. And there is a very intricate intricate connection between your gut health and your stress levels. So when you are more stressed out, you will be less able to digest these things and it can have an impact on your digestion. So we really need to focus on foods that are supportive for your digestion and that your body can digest well. Some other symptoms that might show up if you are sensitive to a food are things like brain fog, rashes, acne, eczema, um, just issues thinking, fatigue and energy levels. And these things might not show up right away, but in the three days after you have a food. So just starting to notice how you feel and on days that you're not feeling your best, looking back at maybe you start to keep a food journal so that you can say, hey, you know what? Today I'm not feeling too hot and kind of look back and see what you've eaten and then start to seek those patterns and understand what foods do and don't work well with your body because we are all so, so different. So when we're talking about reducing the stress response in our body through nutrition, a few things to keep in mind when we're talking about food choice are limiting processed foods, foods that are inflammatory, focusing on food quality, as well as any food that you are sensitive or allergic to. And when we really start to optimize our nutrition choices in relation to food, our body becomes less inflamed, less stressed. We're able to think more clearly. Um, we feel less anxious because our body is just very relaxed. And so Food type and food quality is so, so, so important for everything, but especially if you are in a period of higher stress.
So that's tip number four. Again, number one is make sure you're eating enough specifically complex carbohydrates. Number two, keeping your blood sugar stable. Number three, coffee after breakfast and monitoring the overall intake. And then number four, focusing on food type and quality. The last one is not necessarily whole food nutrition or nutrition strategies, but rather supplementation. And before we dive into these, I just want to note that a supplement is called a supplement for a reason. A supplement is to supplement, how many times can you say that in one sentence, your already beautiful, awesome nutrition and lifestyle and getting enough sleep and sunlight and drinking enough water. So a lot of people turn to supplements as kind of their first go-to like, hey Sarah, what should I take if I have low energy? And I'm like, oh, are you sleeping? Is your digestion good? Are you managing your stress levels? Are you getting outside? No, but what pill should I take? And it really, it doesn't work like that. Supplements are kind of like the cherry on top. Like they add, and don't get me wrong, supplements are very important and arguably everybody probably needs some sort of a supplement to support their body. However, they work in addition to making other changes with your body, with your nutrition, with your lifestyle and your stress management and all that other good stuff. They are not the one thing that is going to fix anything you have going on. And in conventional medicine, if you have an issue, they give you a pill. But when we're looking at a holistic approach or functional medicine, it's not as simple as just taking something and then all of your problems go away. So we do need to use supplements wisely and we need to use them intentionally to support all of the other beautiful ways that we are taking care of our body. So the first thing to note about supplements is being mindful of stimulants. So with stimulants, it's important to note that coffee is not the only stimulant. And I know I chatted about coffee. However, it's also important to touch on the fact that some supplements that you are taking, whether sports supplements or just health supplements, can contain other sorts of stimulants. So it's important to read the label and just see caffeine content on things like pre-workout patterns, any sort of fat metabolism blend, and any sort of energy blend, even if it's natural, can have added caffeine, which will have an impact on our adrenals and our cortisol. So just being mindful of your intake of overall stimulants when you are under stress so that you're not adding more stress and more cortisol to your body. And then when we're talking about supplements that can help to support the overall stress response in our body, the first foundational one to chat about is just a general multivitamin or desiccated liver capsules, which have a beautiful blend of bioavailable nutrients from typically beef or some sort of animal liver. And this is really important because all of the functions in our body run off of using minerals as cofactors and as spark plugs for those reactions. So when we have all of the minerals we need in a supportive amount for our body, our body can function optimally at a cellular level. Oftentimes in our diet, just because of farming practices, the impact on our soil, which is mineral devoid nowadays, and the fact that most of us don't really eat as many different types of fruits and veggies as we need to, many of us are mineral deficient in some way, shape, or form and could use the extra boost of vitamins. So having some sort of a general multivitamin or desiccated liver can give your body what it needs to function optimally at a cellular level. And when your body has what it needs, it's naturally under less stress as well. And the next is magnesium. 
I'm sure you've heard both of us talk about magnesium many times before because it truly is the miracle mineral. And I'm going to send this one over to Denon, who's going to chat about our favorite magnesium and just how important it is to take under periods of stress. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dan and Maxim Chuck here from Embodied Wellness Co. And today we're talking a lot about stress. And stress is a difficult subject to talk about because a lot of the times, in turn, it can cause more stress. The fact of the matter is that stress kills. And if you could pick one thing in your life that if, would affect or put risk on your life or your health, stress is probably going to be that number one thing. And the American Psychological Association says that stress is related to adverse effects in all six leading causes of death. Most people think of stress as something that's caused by work, maybe traffic, I, I hate driving personally, and maybe tense relationships as, as sources of stress in their lives. And then they focus on solutions such as perhaps meditation, which we talk very highly about, maybe um, going to the spa, maybe reading a book. And all of those things do help acutely. Believe me, Sarah and I have a daily meditation and, and mindfulness practice that does help alleviate a lot of stress and, and grow many different areas of our life. However, it doesn't take into account nutritional deficiencies, which are a huge factor of stress in our bodies. Over 80% of Americans are deficient in a critical nutrient that helps rid the body and the mind of stress, and this nutrient is magnesium. And since this nutrient is responsible for over 300, all the way up to 600 different biochemical reactions in the body, when your levels are low, you struggle with sleep, energy, metabolism, pain, and much more. And the worst of all is that this deficiency has a very toxic relationship with stress. According to Dr. Leopold Galland, stress increases the amount of this nutrient we lose from our body, through urine that is, leading to a dangerous deficiency. So in turn, this deficiency actually worsens our response to stress and actually keeps us in this cycle, this loop of being unable to respond to stress very well, therefore losing more magnesium through our urine, again, not being able to respond to stress, and we keep going through this cyclical loop. And studies even show a direct correlation between magnesium deficiency and levels of anxiety and stress. Stress itself increases stress hormones like cortisol. In fact, a Yale study found that stress can cause abdominal fat in otherwise slender women. And not only that, but according to the Mayo Clinic, long-term activation of this stress response system and chronic overexposure to cortisol and other stress hormones can disrupt all of your body's processes. And this can put you at an increased risk for numerous health problems, including anxiety, depression, digestive problems, headaches, heart disease, sleep problems, weight gain, uh, memory and concentration impairment, and so much more. Stress also destroys our sleep, and that's linked to pretty much everything in our body, right? Our recovery, whether or not we're going to be losing weight or gaining weight, heart health, and so on, so on. So this is a critical, important part of our health that we need to look at. Like I said, stress also makes you gain weight because it affects your blood sugar, a critical factor in weight and longevity. Secondly, in a study published in April of 2015 in Biological Psychiatry, women who had one or more stressful events during the previous 24 hours burned 104 fewer calories in seven hours following a fast food meal than women who ate a similar meal but were stress-free. Now, and I know it all seems all doom and gloom right now, but it's not because magnesium is the only nutrient that has been shown to actually help defeat stress on a cellular level. A 2010 review of natural treatments for anxiety found that magnesium could be a treatment for anxiety, and more recently, a 2017 analysis looked at 18 different studies that also found that magnesium did in fact reduce anxiety. These studies looked at mild anxiety, anxiety during premenstrual syndrome, postpartum anxiety, and generalized anxiety. And according to the review, one of the reasons that why magnesium may help reduce anxiety is that it may improve brain function. 
But before you go to your local supplement store or your grocery store and grab the first bottle of magnesium and just start slamming that stuff because you think that's that's what you need, one of the biggest misconceptions through magnesium supplementation is that you need more. And that's not quite the case. The truth is that there's many different types of magnesium and each one play a critical role in upgrading every single function of your body. At Embody Wellness Co, we pride ourselves of looking for the best possible support systems and highest quality ingredient items for our clients, which is why after a long time of looking, we found uh, Magnesium Breakthrough by, by Optimizers. This is the fullest spectrum magnesium supplement that we've ever found that includes all seven sources of magnesium. So Sarah and I both take a dose of this with our last meal of the day in order to help give us the most restful and deep sleep that we can possibly have so we can recover and feel on fire for the next day, both our brain and our body. And for me, as somebody who does deal with low-grade anxiety, I've come a long way, but if it does ever creep up, I'll take a second dose of that to kind of take the edge off and also take a little bit of theanine with that as well. Um, and I just find that takes the edge off when I do feel it creeping up. So visit Bioptimizers, spelled B-I-Optimizers.com and use the code EMBODIED10 at checkout for a discount on your order. And like I said, we really do wholeheartedly believe in Bioptimizers and especially Magnesium Breakthrough. We found the company after we fell in love with a whole bunch of their products, ordered a ton of it, ended up partnering with the company to help the podcast and help all of our clients who often do use quite a few of these products and see incredible results. So visit bioptimizers.com and pick up your magnesium breakthrough with the code embody 10. And now back to the show. And the next one to chat about are B vitamins. So you can take this as a B complex, um, which has all of the B vitamins together, which can really be useful for stress and any sort of fatigue related to stress as well, and helping your body to have what it needs to be able to deal with that stress. And those are kind of the general supplements that Almost anybody can take whether you're stressed or not stressed just for general health. And now we'll move into just briefly covering some vitamins and supplements that are really helpful for regulating cortisol specifically and supporting your adrenals, which produce cortisol and are important in cortisol regulation. So the first thing that you'll often hear when you talk about supplements for stress are a type of herbs or a category of herbs called adaptogens. And adaptogens are herbs that help your body adapt to stressors. And so these are herbs that are very, very helpful for supporting your adrenals and just overall cortisol regulation through the body. And there's so many different types of adaptogens. The ones that you'll often see are things like ashwagandha, um, rhodiola is another really popular popular one, astragalus and schizandra berry, but there are so, so many. And we'll link some in the show notes as well. One supplement that I personally love and I recommend to a lot of my clients is by Erin Wellness, and it is a blend specifically for helping with daytime cortisol regulation. And so it is called Restore, and it has a beautiful blend of adaptogens and supplements and herbs that are very helpful for helping with daytime cortisol regulation. Um, it's best to take in the afternoon, and it just helps your body to be able to effectively deal with cortisol, especially in periods of higher stress. So that blend specifically has hawthorn, ashwagandha, bacopa, astragalus, and it also has schizandra in there as well. So you're getting a lot of those different adaptogens into one beautiful blend, and I will link that as in the show notes as well. Next is theanine, which is an amino acid, which can really help to promote relaxation. So obviously we could go on forever about different supplements for helping with stress, but the main ones that are going to be supportive are general multivitamin, magnesium, a B complex, adaptogens, and theanine as well. 
So again, supplements are very beautiful and very helpful for your body to support the adrenal glands, cortisol regulation, and really just give your body what it needs on a cellular level to function optimally and to do its job and to reduce the overall stress load. They are, however, best used in addition to focusing on your nutrition, your stress management through psychological practices such as meditation, getting enough rest, getting enough sunlight, and all that other good stuff. So again, to do a recap, five simple nutrition tips for supporting stress in your body. Number one, ensure that you're eating enough food in general and make sure that you're eating enough carbohydrates. You can also acutely increase your complex carbohydrate consumption in more stressful periods to help your body deal with stress. Number two, Keeping your blood sugar balanced and stable is so crucial. So having breakfast within, within an hour of waking, eating every three to four hours after that, and always being mindful to pair carbs with a protein and slash or fat. Number three, coffee after breakfast. I'm going to say it again. Coffee is not a meal fam. It is not. And also just generally being mindful of your overall caffeine consumption. Number four is focusing on food type and quality, so being mindful of any processed foods, inflammatory foods, and foods that you are sensitive to to help your body be under less inflammation and help to regulate cortisol levels. And number five is using supplements such as adaptogens, a multivitamin, magnesium, B-complex, and theanine to support your body's stress response. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know this is going to be a very impactful podcast for a lot of you. Um, stress is a very general theme going on nowadays. So in addition to these tips, be mindful of doing all of the other things that can be helpful for your body as well, such as getting adequate sleep seven to nine hours a night, getting some daylight specifically in the morning can be really helpful. So going on a 10 minute walk in the morning can be beautiful for cortisol regulation as well, including some mindfulness practices such as meditation, yoga, going on walks, getting out in nature, drinking enough water, and all of that good stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in. The podcast notes for everything we spoke about today can be found at embodiedwellnessco.com slash blog slash 19, the numbers one nine. Talk to you next time, wellness gang. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. This podcast provides general information and discussions about health and related subjects. The information and other content provided in this podcast or any linked materials are not intended and should not be construed as medical advice, nor is the information a substitute for professional medical expertise or treatment. If you or any other person has medical concern, you should consult with your healthcare provider and seek other professional medical treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you may have heard on this podcast or any link materials. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or emergency services immediately. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast are of no relation to those of any academic, hospital, health practice, or other institution. 